0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. My name's Darren, and it's my privilege today to welcome you to the closing part of our series where we've been looking at the book of Philippians. The series has been called Living the Joyful Life. And just to recap, Paul was writing this letter to the church in Philippi. Philippi was a prosperous city in Macedonia which was in modern-day northeastern Greece. Now, what's interesting about this letter is that he was writing it from prison. And yet, yeah, we've called the series, Living the Joyful Life. Quite ironic, isn't it? Living the Joyful Life, but I'm writing this from prison. Now, you've heard some messages on Philippians over the last few weeks. And if you haven't heard those, check them out online. They're all on the website. And what's interesting is that the book of Philippians is a very short book, four chapters. So you can read it in about half an hour. Not that you'll understand it in half an hour, of course, but you'll, you'll read it. And when you go through the book, what stands out, certainly when I look through that book, the four chapters, is the word rejoice. The amount of times Paul uses the word rejoice in that book, I haven't counted it, but I know it's a lot. And that strikes me as being linked to living the joyful life. So, the title of today's talk is Provision, where we're going to be looking at the closing verses of the Book of Philippians from Chapter 4. <coughs> but I would ask you this question. Do you feel provided for this morning? Do you feel that like God has provided for you, or is, pro- is providing for you? I would suggest that the very fact that you're sitting here this morning is proof that you are being provided for. If you have air in your lungs, you're breathing. If you had breakfast this morning, if you had a bed to sleep in last night, if you got to church this morning, did you get a lift? Did you walk? Did you drive? However you got here was a form of provision. Sometimes we can think provision is like a grand thing. We're being provided for every day, things by things that we take for granted. So I would suggest all of us here this morning have been provided for. Another question I'll ask you is, has anyone here got or ever had a bookmark, a coaster, a calendar, a poster, with a Bible verse on it? I thought some of you might have. I certainly have had a few. But have any of you ever had any of those items with a verse from the book of Philippians on it? I see some people looking around. You must have loads, Amy. You're really searching your mind for, what verses have I got? Because one of the verses in today's passage is a verse that you often see on such items that you'll get in Christian bookshops and Christian gift shops and so forth. And it's Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Sometimes some translation, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So this is one of the verses that we're going to be looking at in the passage this morning. So I'm going to read from the NIV, and the words should be up on the screen. So it's Philippians 4, verses 10 to 23. I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, When I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory for forever and ever. Amen. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. As we look at the closing part of our series, Living the Joyful Life, I pray this morning we would all get a renewed sense of what that means for us, Lord, and how we can find a joyful life through, through relationship with you, Lord Jesus. For you are the one who, who meets all our needs. And we give you glory in your holy, precious name. Amen. So we're going to break down today's talk into three points. Point one, learning to be content. Point two, the joy of giving and receiving. And point three, God meets our needs. So point one, learning to be content. So if we can have the words again, please, Lily. Thank you. Okay, verse 11 to 13, Paul starts off with, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Which tells us that contentment is something that you learn. It isn't automatic. It's easy to be content when everything's going well. Say you're in a really favourable season of your life where everything's going perfectly well, everything seems to be going right. You know you're in good health, jobs going well, relationships are going well, financially everything's fine. It's easy to be content in those circumstances. Probably not something you need to learn. What about when things are going tough? Things aren't going well in, in your health, in your job, in your relationships, in your circumstances. Ah, and you're a little bit down. And yet Paul is is in prison, and he's saying that he has learned to be content. He goes on to write, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. So in good times and bad times, Paul's been through it all. Well, what's really exciting about this passage is where he says, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's exciting here is that we think Paul isn't just a, a normal dude. If we think about who Paul is, arguably the most influential writer who's ever lived, having written over half of him in the New Testament, having encountered the Lord Jesus so powerfully, having been transformed from darkness to light, from hatred to love, and he's telling us here that he has found the secret. Of being content in every circumstance. That was like, whoa, we really need to be paying attention here. The great man Paul is sharing with us a secret that he has discovered through his intimacy with Jesus. So what is that secret that he's discovered and that we can learn from? It's that famous verse, Philippians four thirteen. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So what does that tell us? It tells us that your relationship with Jesus gives you strength to overcome. And it tells us that you can't have contentment outside of that relationship. Because like we've said, contentment is very seasonal, up and down. Things are going well, you're content. Things are going down, you're not content. Certainly that's the case for me very often. I'm sure it is for many of you as well. And yet, Paul is telling us in every situation, times of need, in times of of well-being and fulfilment, throughout all of those, he can be content because he can do everything through Jesus. He gives him strength. Well, that's the secret. The secret is being in the Lord through that relationship with Jesus. So you can't be content, Paul is saying, outside of that relationship. You cannot have lasting contentment. But if we think about relationship, relationship with Jesus, how do we develop that intimacy? How do we develop that relationship that's going to give us that, that secret, access to that secret to overcome and to find contentment whatever the circumstance? Well, praise and prayer, I would suggest. As we know, any relationship is only as good as the strength of its communication. If you don't talk to someone, there's no relationship. The more you talk with them, the closer your relationship. We we all appreciate that. So it stands to reason that the more we communicate with God, through prayer, through praise, finding him in his word, the closer our relationship is, the more intimate our relationship is. And praising God... You know, Paul, as we said, Paul in this book, mentions the word rejoice a number of times. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 4 of the chapter, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And he's in prison. You know, I think one of the things Paul is, is tapped into here is the power of praising God, even when you're in a dark time, even when you're in prison. The fact that Paul can write a book which is so full of optimism, of hope, and encouragement when he's in a dire situation, it's quite remarkable. And I would ask you, are you in a type of prison this morning? Are you in a difficult circumstance? Physically, emotionally? What what kind of circumstance are you finding yourself in this morning? I remember, and some of you will know, a few years ago, I, I was—I um, had a, a pretty bad accident, and I was bedridden, and I was in plaster, and I couldn't—and uh, probably the darkest time I'd ever been through. I'd lost my job. I—I um, I, I couldn't do anything. Like I'd, I had loads of plans it had all gone, gone out of the window, and I was very angry, and I was very bitter. Really felt God had kind of turned his back on me. Nothing—nothing had, nothing had been going right. Um praise was the last thing I wanted to do didn't want to praise God no I don't want to praise God you let me down God I don't want to praise you I don't, even want, to, I don't want to look at, my, at the scripture or anything and yet in my heart of hearts I knew God is still on the throne God still reigns and I felt him say to me praise me and my first thought was no I'm hurting here praise is the last thing I want to do but that gentle thing just said praise me so I made the decision to just, just respond. As I was in my bed, leg up in plaster, I just started singing praises to God. And it was like a, a light, something could flick a light switch. Everything had transformed. In some ways, nothing had transformed. I was still in bed, I was still in plaster, I was still out of pocket, I was still in a lot of physical pain. But something had shifted in the spiritual sense in the spiritual realm, and I felt liberated. I felt free and I felt joy. That peace that surpasses understanding. And where Paul's writing about rejoicing and the power of praising God, he's still in prison, his physical circumstances haven't changed, but his soul has been liberated, it's freed his spirit. There is a supernatural power in praise because we are communicating with a supernatural God regardless of what our circumstances are telling us in the physical realm, there is a change that begins. And that was a turning point for me when I started praising. I realized that rather than being under my circumstances, supernaturally, spiritually, I was over them. And I, could, and I was kind of, wow, I had a, a renewed sense of joy, simply through the act of praising God. So my encouragement would be, if, if you are a go through a difficult time, and you don't feel like praising, I would suggest, especially when you don't feel like praising, that's when you should praise, that's the sacrifice of praise. Easy to praise when things are going well, it's a lot harder when it's not. But once you start, I defy you to, I defy you to come and tell me that you felt worse afterwards. You, you know, I'll give you your money back for coming to, to church today, if, you, if, if, if that's the case. Money back guarantee, you will not feel any worse. You will, you, you, I guarantee you will feel so much better when you start praising God, whatever your situation You know, God inhabits the praises of his people, as it says in Psalms. James writes, draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And praise attracts the presence of God into your circumstance. And it would always change things for the better. Point two, the joy of giving and receiving. So there are a few verses here where Paul writes, verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Verse 14, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Verse 16, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. These are all expressions of, of love in action. Then we think about provision as being, often being something physical, aid, physical aid, which of course it is. And of course, this time of year, the festive season, we know that there is a lot of need in our communities and that people are in real need of physical aid and provision. But also, emotional provision is still provision. Time is a massive provision. If you take the time to listen to somebody, to talk to somebody, that's provision. You could you could be having going through a bad day. Someone sends you a an encouraging text message. I've certainly had situations where someone sent me a message like, "Wow," which has transformed my whole my whole week, if you like, of of, of, of a difficult time. Just a word of encouragement is provision, and there was something around Paul having been blessed by the concern and the provision of the people in the church in Philippi has really encouraged him. So there is a blessing to receive when you receive provision of whatever form that, that, that it is. But I would also suggest that whilst we may be in need of provision, it could well be that you are holding the provision that someone else needs. It could be time, it could be financial, it could be physical, it could be just a chat with someone, whatever form that looks like. And the idea of provision, something that you give, something that you receive, is what builds community. Relationship building, the exchange of giving and receiving. And Paul describes this as being a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God, in verse 18. you know We know God loves a generosity and a cheerful giver. There is a blessing that comes with generosity. Proverbs 11.25, a generous person will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. And Paul talks about this as being a fragrant offering. And Paul mentions about it being credited to their account. So God honours generosity. He honours it when we are able to provide joyfully. It's all part of living the joyful life. Is taking the, taking the time to, to help someone, as well as receiving the provision. Which goes on to our third point, God meets our needs. In verse 19, Paul writes, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory, In Christ Jesus. That's a wonderful promise, isn't it? And yet, we see so much need around us. Even amongst believers, we see so much need. Why is that? Far from me to say why that is. I am in no way capable or qualified to even begin to say why that is. But all I can do is look at what the scripture says about some of this. And in James, chapter 4, James writes, you have not because you ask not. So the question is, when we are in need, do we really take the time to go before God with it? Or do we just kind of assume, oh, you know, and just moan and complain, oh, we're not seeing the provision that we need? Or do we actually humble ourselves and go and ask God for it. Go and take our request to God. Paul Paul earlier in in chapter 4 writes, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, take your request to God. The word thanksgiving is what we're going to come to again. So we have not because we ask not. And yet, Paul also writes, sorry, James, again, also writes about When you ask and you don't receive, very often it's because we ask with the wrong motives. So what's the motive that we're asking for? what, What is the reason behind our request for provision? What's the motive behind it? Is it selfish? Is it a vanity thing? Or is it with the right heart? And James also talks about when you ask God for wisdom, he gives generously to all without finding fault. But when you ask, you must believe you have received. You must believe, which links to to faith. As we know, without faith you cannot please God, without faith. So when you've asked God for your need, you've brought your need before him, you must trust him with it, trust him with that request. How will he answer it? We can't always see how he'll answer it. But we have to trust that he will do it in the best way. That's the faith that we put in him. But there's more. If we look at when Jesus was teaching people how to pray in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer. Jesus didn't start with, give us today our daily bread. No, 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 that's not how we started. How did he he start the prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Only after that, does he make the request in that prayer? So what's the lesson for us there? Well, I believe, if we're going to follow that example, we start by praising God, by giving him the reverence and the respect that he's due. It's only polite, right? King of kings, lords of lords. It's any right that we should honour him. Yes, by all means, we need to bring our requests before him. Paul says to do that with Thanksgiving which leads me to Psalm 100, which says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It doesn't say enter with your requests first. By all means, bring your requests with you because God loves it when we come before him. He's our good, good father. He loves it. Never slumbers or sleeps. He's never deaf. He's never blind. He sees our need. He knows our needs. And yet, what joy to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise, whatever our situation Because I say, will transform everything. We may not see an immediate solution, but it changes something when we do praise Him. So I'm going to just invite the band back Um, and just want you to think about this whole concept of the joyful life, even if you're going in a difficult if you're in a difficult season, which really is what the overarching message of one of the overarching messages of the Book of Philippians is, it's one of thanksgiving. It's one of joy. And while we just close in a final song, whatever your need is, bring it before God, but bring it before Him with in an atmosphere of thanksgiving and praise, as the Scripture shows us. Bring your your request before God, Paul writes, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Present your request before God. So let's do that. As we worship, let's give the Lord glory and let's bring our request before him.